Fred Martineau here live at Streamsong Resort. Uh, cool hanging out in Central Florida. Uh, Polk County is where this is. Again, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's really neat. It's just a neat place. Uh, and, and we'll talk more about it. The golf courses uh, I'll tell you a little bit about because they are very unique for the state of Florida. Yeah. And unique just where it's built. Like all, all the kind of history behind Streamsong Resort. And it's relatively new. But uh, already widely considered uh, some of the top golf courses and top resort in the world. And uh, we are glad to be here today. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. And right now let's talk a little college football and other sports going on because maybe he's got a thought on Ramsey or even Antonio Brown. We welcome in ESPN's Jason Fitz every Tuesday around this time. What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? Oh, you know, I got thoughts on everything. You know, that's just, you, you can't. You can't hold the thoughts back when you say Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown. Come on. Well, let's go, let's get right into it, man. Does Antonio Brown ever play in the NFL again? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I would say from a talent level, yes, that's the easy answer. Uh, the the bigger hardship for me in that mindset is that we've seen owners and the way they sort of protect each other at times. And at the worst, the NFL, we've seen this. And, and it's the way owners sort of uh, always band together. I'm curious to see how owners react to the way that he lashed out specifically against Robert Kraft. And that's something that sort of I've got my eye on because even if there's a spot where he turns around and he makes everybody forget all of the rest, I'm not sure that you can go after the good old boy network and survive that. So, you know, I think that's going to be as difficult as anything. At some point, being spectacular at what you do, he's going to get a second chance based on simply the fact that he's great on the field, I would think. But they're going to have to be okay with him making all the, the comments on social media about Robert Kraft. And that's a heck of a mountain to, to, to have to climb. Yeah, absolutely is. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. We'll talk some college football in just a moment. But another thought on the NFL uh, quickly. Antonio Brown's situation is interesting because you, you, you have there's so much respect for the New England Patriots organization, Belichick and Brady and what they've done, that if Brown couldn't survive there, can he survive anywhere, as Austin has said, really, for the last couple of days. And, and you have to agree with that sentiment. Let's switch over to Jalen Ramsey. How This is a story now that is big anywhere you go, Jason. This was a story that we thought would be big in Jacksonville, be big with the Jaguars, be big maybe regionally. This has become a blockbuster story around the NFL the last week or so. How do you view, how do you view it now that it's about eight days old uh, with Jalen Ramsey well, and the Jags? I think my view on it has changed pretty drastically in the last 48 hours because it's one thing to stand up and say, hey, I'm going to be, I want to be traded. I want out. And then to go in and play. And let's face it, Taylor Ramsey pulled out on Thursday night against the Titans. He looked spectacular. And I understand why the Jags wanted to play him because it gives them a better chance to win and they want him on the field. The other side of it, though, is calling in sick. And, and you know, maybe, maybe randomly he does have the flu. Maybe it's the worst timing in the history of mankind. That's a tough pill for all of us to swallow. If he's just calling out because he doesn't love his situation. Now you're talking about something that I think actually would make other teams nervous because as much as you can turn around and say, hey, I can make this guy happy, he can be happy here. That's what teams did with Antonio Brown, right? There's a difference between that and just flat out in the middle of the season when your team, because the rest of the division is so bad, still has a shot to do something for you just to stop showing up at work. That's the sort of thing that I think would make every other organization hesitant to want to give him the mega money you're going to have to give him if you trade for him. Austin, jump in on some college football here. Let's take Jason that way, especially we'll begin with a little Notre Dame and Georgia uh, from Saturday night. That played out differently than many people thought, Jason. Oh, yeah, I was I was wrong about that one. Look, I thought Georgia was just going to whoop the butts, and, uh, and they didn't. Notre Dame put up a better fight than we expected, and I think that also is significant because Georgia is a great football team. They're not a good football team this year. 
they are a great football team. So the fact that Notre Dame gave them everything they can handle is good. I don't know, though, how Notre Dame recoups from this loss because at the end of the day, they don't have another signature win they're going to be able to get on their on their schedule. We keep asking when's Notre Dame going to join a conference, and the answer to that is when it would benefit them. This might be a year where it actually hurts them not having a conference championship-type opportunity to pick up another landmark win. They were competitive, but it won't be enough, and Georgia turns around and survives, and they get a significant win because, let's face it, they've got tough games coming up on their schedule too. So they need to win all of these possible because they'll get one get-out-of-jail-free card if they have one game that they lose miraculously. I think they could still find themselves in the playoff conversation, but that mountain also gets tough for them. Hey, what's up, Jason? Uh, so a few hours ago, news kind of got released that De'Eric King and Keith Corbin, the starting quarterback and wide receiver for the University of Houston, are opting to sit out the rest of their year and use their red shirt. And if, if you look at the Houston team right now, they're 1-3, and 0-1 uh, in conference. Is this going to be a trend now? Because let's be honest here, they're both healthy, Jason. This sounds like they're tanking. Are, are we going to see more of this going forward now in college football? If it works, why not? You know, And that's scary. Uh, in the sense that you're right, like De'Ara King is somebody that had a great year. He accounted for 50 touchdowns. That's an AAC record. You know, he, he played incredibly well. Now, this season is off to a rocky start, and there's a belief that Dana Hogerson, uh, who comes over from West Virginia, is building a team. He thinks it's going to take a little time. I don't know if he's talked them into it or if they've just decided they don't want to be a part of where this team is now. But if we really want to see a world that gets convoluted, it's a world where you start seeing coaches, redshirt players, <laughs> That just just to get their team better next year, I mean, it, it may be a win for everybody, but that could turn into a scary, strange situation of people taking advantage of a rule that was meant to really help players and suddenly use it to help teams stockpile players for next year when they're going to be better. Uh, that That's going to create a, so much havoc that I think the NCAA would have to turn around and revisit the rule to make sure it's actually working. Jason Fitz from ESPN. You can catch him in the mor- mornings with Golick and Wingo. Catch him uh, 8.30 in the morning on Saturdays leading up to college game day and all the social media platforms for ESPN uh, as well. That show's doing well every Saturday morning. And Jason has some fantastic insight on the college stuff, really everything. But uh, on Saturday mornings, it's all about college football for Jason and the gang. All right, let's stay on that because that is a fascinating topic that just came up with Houston and these two guys that are going to do this. Do you see? I love kind of. Uh, it's funny we don't like player empowerment sometimes, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, whether it's an Antonio Brown and the stuff that he's done, and and is Jalen Ramsey about to do that? And I, I kind of get I'm mixed on it. I'm conflicted on it. But I really like rules that benefit student athletes in college, especially in college football and college basketball, the way things are designed. But this is something that throws you for a loop. And I thought you brought up a great point. Is it the coaches that are going to do it? instead of the players. And if it's the coaches that are going to do it, well, then that defeats some of the purpose because I like student-athlete power a little bit more. I don't necessarily love more power for the egotistical head coaches, Jason. Well, you're a thousand percent right, and I'm with you. I think in a world that I I cannot say this loud enough for every single person that doesn't like player empowerment, in a world where a coach can quit today on his team and go sign somewhere else and coach somewhere else tomorrow, I have no problem with giving players the opportunity to move about the cabin however they so choose because we give that same freedom to coaches all day, every day. And, you know, when you, but where, where this particular sort of loophole becomes concerning to me is I'm starting to, my question becomes, do you see Nick Saban look around and say, hey, you know what? You're not quite big enough this year. I don't want to lose you. 
you're not hurt, uh, you're good, but we're going to be even better at this position or we need you next year at this position and start to basically pressure kids to stockpile for different years when they might be good. And the same for rising programs. If Dana Holgerson is trying to build something at Houston, he thinks can be competitive and he realizes this year isn't the year. Do you see more of this where mid-major teams are sort of stocking players away in the cupboard, keeping a year of their eligibility and forcing them or pressuring them to put the the needs of the team ahead of the needs of the student-athlete in any situation, that's where it starts to get scary because it's already a corrupt system anyway. We all know that. You add this level to it, and, man, you're going to have kids being pressured to do things that they may never want to be a part of just so the teams can be stacked in certain years. That's scary. Jason, let's be honest here, though, and I guess I'm – I don't want to say I'm speaking out against player empowerment here because I'm I'm the most pro, you know pro uh, player invo- uh, empowerment guy there is and maybe I'm hanging out with Brett Martineau too much but it, it begs <laughs> the question now though so let's say in Houston that this was on the players the the players chose to do this well what's to stop a player especially w- with the transfer portal now you know let's say like he's on a pretty good team there's a lot of hype around this season and all of a sudden maybe his team starts one and three or something like that and he chooses to sit out and he chooses to use that red shirt well what's to stop him just to say you know what i thought this team was going to be good they're not that talented i want to transfer out of here and i'm gonna use my red shirt to do it what's to stop a player from doing that as well well, you're right. Nothing. And, yeah. you know, is that good or bad? I mean, because yeah. do we want a system where all of a sudden your your best wide receiver goes down for your team, whatever team that might be, and so you're a quarterback and you look at it and say, well, you know what I don't want? I don't want to dip in my own production. I could take a red shirt this year, go play somewhere else next year, and have a shot at a national championship, you know? And that's that's what the transfer portal sort of opened up. And so, you know, we there, this is why whenever a new rule is instituted, and I think the transfer portal ultimately was instituted with really good intention. Sometimes, what you have to look at when you when you bring in a rule is what's the worst case scenario in a way this could be abused. And as we start to see more familiarity with the transfer portal, we're going to have more of these moral questions come up about what's right and wrong for the player, what's right and wrong for the school, and what's right and wrong for the coach. And, you know, if everybody is abusing the rule from every different angle, a bunch of wrongs are not going to make this rule right, but the rule is still right in its intent. So how do you make it work? I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, if I'm, the, if I'm a fan, I'm looking at the NCAA saying, have they looked at every possible angle to make sure that they're protecting the game the right way? I, I love the answer there, and I, and I think there's a lot of issues to it, and there's no blanket answer, and I think that's pro- part of the problem, but I love the conversation because of it. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN, and, uh, you know, college football to me, Jason, is has, has so many old-school mentalities to it sometimes. Call it the good old boy network if you want. Just call it old school the way it was. This is the way it was. This is the way it was. This is the way it's got to be. Well, in the last however many years, now a couple of years, we've talked to UCF a lot, and I know with us you've talked to UCF a lot, and we've talked about it from a college football playoff standpoint well that ship sailed last week when they lost to Pitt. i don't want to drop the ucf conversation though because i still think they have proven over two and a half years that they can hang with any power five conference if they were to play would they go to the playoff every year no would they go undefeated probably not but can they hang with a power five conference can they beat a lot of teams in power five leagues absolutely they could and what if they had the resources the dollars and the four and five star guys that all these other schools can get and the ability to get so my question to you is we'll leave you here on a tuesday is what now with ucf from your point of view where does this story go is it now a dead thing across college football because they lost the pit I think that UCF has got to stop fighting for the little guy and start fighting for UCF now. 
And that's the thing. Like, they've been sort of the banner for everybody. I talk to Memphis every week, and I have for, for years. The guys over at Memphis ESPN uh, affiliate are great guys, and they've been looking at UCF for the last two years as, hey, why, why, why can't this happen to Memphis? And that's the, the banner that UCF has had to sort of fly. For every school that wants consideration, they've been able to say, but look, UCF. UCF now needs to turn around, and they need to figure out a way to put themselves in to one of the bigger conferences based on their sustained success and say, hey, look what we've been doing. Look what we're capable of doing. Everything that you just said about UCF is absolutely true, and the school belongs to be on a, on a bigger platform. Now that they don't have to fight for the little guy as their sort of calling card, they need to go in and play with the big boys every week. There's got to be a way that they can get themselves included in the conference. Whatever expansion it takes, we need to find a way to include UCF in and, and acknowledge that even if the system won't reward the smaller schools the proper way, I agree with you, it's a broken system that doesn't do that. But if the system isn't going to reward them, at least let a conference somewhere turn around and say, hey, we're going to reward that school because they bring value to what we do because they bring a fan base and they bring competitiveness. Jason Fitz, really good stuff, man. Always enjoy the oh, 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 you got another well, one. Well, I mean, I'm not going to have Fitz come on the show. I'm not going to talk Wisconsin Badgers real quick. Oh, the, 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 just the it Wisconsin the Badgers. It was the most impressive performance, I think, of the weekend, Brent. <laughs> so we're going to tackle real quick, Jason, if you don't mind. And listen, Jason, we're kind of on the same page talking about the Wisconsin Badgers, right? Like, we know what they're going to do. They're, they're going to run the ball. It's not the sexiest form of football. And they have a quarterback in Jack Cohn who we didn't really know much about going into the Michigan game. Can he just make manage an offense can he not make mistakes you know the, it's kind of like a la alex hornerbrook where he had some glimpses of brilliance and he lost him some games as well <clears throat> well i saw a guy in jack Cohn for the most part who i thought managed the game pretty well and then behind that offensive line who i thought was going to regress a little bit with new faces it looks like they actually you know made some leaps and bounds i mean is wisconsin a team now that you have to start taking seriously in that big time yeah, they are, and you're absolutely right on everything you just said. We all thought that offensive line was going to be a little worse this year, and they're much better. I mean, you're talking about new faces that have gelled together quickly, yeah. and they're playing impressively well. Jonathan Taylor, uh, we know he's a stud. We know he can run over anybody. I predicted that they were going to crush Michigan. I, I thought that was going to happen, uh, but I don't think it's just a statement that Michigan is bad. It's a statement this Wisconsin team is that good, and it's really going to be interesting you know, when they start to play some of these, these flashier offenses in general, it's real. I look forward to a Wisconsin-Ohio State type game in general mm -hmm. because the fact is Wisconsin control the, can control the line of scrimmage and in so they can, they can control the clock. And as long as they can do that, man, you got to get on the field to score a bunch of points. Their defense is better than we think, too. Wisconsin is, is sneaky good, and we're going to have to pay attention to them. I agree whole, wholeheartedly. Nice. Jason, I don't know if you know what just happened here, but this is like when Austin was playing football and like the clock struck zero, and he said to the ref, go put 30 seconds back on the clock. It's like he's in a cage for an MMA fight. Hey. He's like, no, the fight's not over. Hey, don't man. stop the fight. Hey. I want to keep going. And now forget about commercial breaks. Who cares if Fitz has another interview to do? We're staying here. Hey, he's bigger than us, man. Sorry, I can't control him sometimes. <laughs> Hey, when you're when you're the toughest man in the room, you get to make up the rules. That's the oh, way it goes around go here. I'm all in for it. That's going to go my next interview right there. I appreciate that, man. That's <laughs> and a, that is our clip of the week, kids. Oh, yeah. I have lost. Interest. <laughs> I'm trying to work <laughs> my new contracts, Jalen Ramsey style. It's the first thing I'm going to say to my bosses. I have lost institutional <laughs> control. Jason Fitz, thanks for joining us, man. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks, boys. Have a great week. All right. Have a good one. Catch Jason Fitz on Countdown to Game Day every Saturday morning with Maria Taylor and David Pollock. And you can hear Jason along with uh, Golik and Wingo every morning on ESPN 690. Hey, Austin, is it okay? We're going to take a timeout. I'll allow it. <laughs>
Uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, how about a little balling and falling? Let's get uh, it. Let's do that. Coming up next on ESPN 690. We'll also a little bit later on take it to Englewood High School. A pretty cool moment over there today. Rasheen Mathis, we'll hear from him. Uh, we had Quincy Williams on Jags Report Live last night. We'll hear from the Jaguars rookie linebacker. And Joshua Dobbs, the Jags backup QB, joins us at 5 o'clock. So a lot to get to. We are live from Stream Song Resort in Central Florida. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.